This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.k-a-n-g-a-r-o-o-f-e-r-n.com The Tribe Podcast Show is a production of Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, which is all about supporting you to start and build a thriving business. Tribe Podcast on OzPod Syndicate. So Dr. Joe... Martin is a renowned visionary, coach, and catalyst, leading women into a new global paradigm. Her message and work are directly impacted over 120,000 people on four different continents. As founder of one of many, Joe leads the fasting-growing global leadership community for professional women and entrepreneurs, changing their corner of the world. One of many trains, coaches, and supports women around the world, empowering them to step up and lead the change they want to see without burning out. One of many has inspired 70,000 women and certified over 1,750 coaches, master coaches, and trainers in over 11 countries in behavioral changes tools. Joe is also committed a financial investor in the work of the Hunger Project, as well as a diplomatic wife, sometimes two tired mother and protective sister, and a loyal friends. So her socials is on the Facebook, one of many women's, on Instagram, Dr. Joanna Martin, on Twitter, Joanna Martin, and the LinkedIn, Johanna Martin, and you can check her website at oneofmany.co.uk. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. Good morning and hello, Humanista. This is another episode again of the Tribe Podcast. For this episode, please welcome Dr. Joe Martin. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to today. Now, let's start by asking you about this quote that I see on your, one of, what, on your website. Because alone, we can only do so much, but together, we have the capacity to accomplish so much more. Can you elaborate this? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think what I'm getting at there is the, the point that we live in a cultural paradigm that celebrates the pursuit of the individual. Do you know, we, we make heroes of sports people, of entrepreneurs, of politicians, and we, whomever it is, we always look to the individual. And we very, very rarely take the time to recognize that any major achievement is actually an effort of many individuals working together towards a common vision, towards a common mission. And I think because our culture tends to celebrate, and so not every culture, but certainly Australian culture, American culture, UK culture, where I live now, 
um, you know, we, we, we celebrate individuals, we overlook one of the most critical uh, pieces to the success of anything. And that is really that achievement of any ambition, achievement of any vision, bringing anything, um, you know, from the unseen into the scene requires a group effort. It's always many individuals. And I think um, for women especially, uh, we need to lean into working with other with others with and through others for the achievement of our own personal visions and to create change in the world so before we go into the one of the the one of many so it's you you founded that this uh community of women's can you tell me about about you i see you've been you was born in australia and educated mm-hmm. in australia can you tell us a bit a bit more yeah, sure. So, yes, I'm an Aussie girl. I was uh, I'm from Tasmania, a um, little country town in, in Tasmania. And uh, I, um, I started my working life as a medical doctor. So I, I graduated from the University of Tasmania and was a medical doctor there for a while. And um, once I graduated, I, uh, I recognized that whilst I was making a difference as a doctor, I wasn't really making my difference. I felt that there was a lot more that I could contribute to the world uh, in a meaningful way. And I had always had a dream to be an actor. So I left medicine and went to drama school. I headed up to Sydney and um, I was really blessed to earn a place at the Actors Centre Australia in Surrey Hills. Um, Dean Carey uh, is the head of that place there and he's, it's awesome organisation. Your podcast journey starts here. Take the first step on your side. Hustle with us. It starts with a great domain. Get your podcast web host with Beard and Coffee at www.beardandcoffee.com.au or find us at Facebook. Where not only did I have great fun and learn some amazing craft, but importantly for me, I discovered my vocation, which um, because of the nature of that school, they had a subject there called life coaching. And I didn't even know what that was. But as we started to explore these principles, I thought, wow, there's names and terms for something which I've kind of been doing naturally um, ever since I was a kid. You know, I think I've just naturally always been a coach. So it was there that I first discovered coaching and I then uh, shifted into Uh, shifted into coaching and um, started my own little coaching business in Sydney back in 2003, which grew very, very quickly. And before long, I was headhunted by the, um, uh, or invited by the organization that trained me to be their head of research and training for some time. And I was, uh, you know, gallivanting all around the world, leading uh, audiences of up to about 3000 at a time, doing amazing personal development seminars and so forth. Um, And then not long after that, my husband and I founded our own business, which uh, was uh, teaching speakers at that time. So we're no strangers to start up business. We've done it several times ourselves. I've started my coaching practice and pretty much started up again with the speaker training business. I then started one of many six years ago, which is my um, real purpose business, you know, supporting women to handle the daily juggle so they can really make the impact they feel called to make in the world. Um, and I've started up uh, um, a business mastermind called Empress, which uh, which I did to be to be fair, my business partner and I we put that on hold a year ago when the juggle of kids and we be, each had another business. We thought it's too much, so we we um, we put it on hold with a longing to go back to it at some point, but. 
going from startup and getting things going is something I know very, very well. So you say you're a qualified medical doctor and also a trained actor as well. Uh, tell me what you took you from there to being a successful entrepreneur. I guess, so there's many things that fed into it. I think the first thing was I have always been someone who didn't want to settle for anything that felt less than bang on my calling, you know? So I think, you know, we, we all have a purpose in life and I think the more we step into it, the more we say yes to that, the more it is revealed to us. And so for me, um, you know, I knew medicine wasn't right. And the only other thing I had to compare it to was acting. So I went and I did acting and it was there that I discovered coaching. And, and so I started in that field and, and now growing in, in this industry, I've kind of got to the point where through various incarnations, one of which was our speaker training business, which we took, we took that, I mean, that grew really quickly, right? We, we took it from zero to seven figures in revenue in a 12 month period of time. And it was awesome and needed and fabulous. And at the time it served such a great purpose in the world, but after having done it for some time, I knew, hang on, this is, this is still not quite it for me. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, I don't know what the ingredient was for me to becoming a successful entrepreneur, but I think it is just this lifelong pursuit of two things. Number one, what is my next contribution? How can I, how can I be of service in the world? That's been a, a, a theme, I guess, that's always fascinated me. What can I do to serve? And then the other piece is whenever I don't know how to do anything, I invest. I invest in education. I invest in a coach. I invest in mentoring. I, you know, I've, between my husband and I, we probably spent, God knows, quarter of a million or more on, you know, masterminds and mentoring over the, probably more than that probably by now, um, to learn what you need to learn to be able to be great at it. Um, and I guess just a dogged persistence to stick with something until it works. <laughs> so I have read... I have read that you are on a mission to unleash the bold grassroots leadership of 1 million women internationally. Mm. That is a huge ambition. And I'm interested to know where that started. This podcast is brought to you by Ospad Syndicate, powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Kangaroo Fern is Australia's independent video and podcast management agency with a mission to help individuals and entrepreneurs to start their own podcast and harness the power of podcasting. Book now via www.kangaroofern.com. Do you know, it started when I had just had my son. So seven years ago, um, he was tiny, he was about six weeks old. And I remember vividly, I was sitting in a darkened room breastfeeding him and you have this tiny little baby who was, um, you know, perfect in every way and hadn't yet discovered this huge, scary and highly wrong world that we live in, in so many ways. There's so much not working about the world. And I don't think I really saw it until I had kids, until I had James, how much of a problem that was, you know, when you see the next generation come in and you go, holy shit, look at this place. And um, I remember reflecting at that time on a quote from the Dalai Lama who said at the Vancouver Peace Summit back in 2009, that the world will be saved by the Western woman. Now, that quote gets bandied around a lot. And, um, but I think there's some merit in it, in that 
First of all, I don't know that it's necessarily Western women, but I think it's women with access to resources. And those women also exist in Africa. They also exist in, you know, in the East. They exist in many, many places. But it's women with access to resources, women who can access power and resources, I think, is, is what he's talking about, with women with opportunity. And specifically talking about women, I think it's because whether it's because of our nature or the way that we're brought up in our cultural paradigm, I don't think it really matters, but we have deeper access to compassion. We feel others perhaps more um, on average, not every woman, you know, compared to every man, but on average, I think women do feel um, humanity's pain and suffering a lot more. And therefore we are driven to want to change it. But as I was reflecting on it, as I was reflecting on it with James, you know, being just six weeks old, I thought he's not talking about politicians and, you know, leaders of major corporations and so on. He's talking about me. He's talking about my neighbor and my sister and my mom and my gran, you know, women, women, everyday community, what I now call grassroots women leaders, women who are not necessarily designated by some major organization or by some country as a leader, but who have leadership in them in that they want to make an impact in their corner of the world. They want to change a something. And I thought that's who he's talking about because if we could all change our corner of the world, then that would make a massive difference through partnership with men, of course, not exclusively just women, but it just felt, I just, there was a truth to that for me. And I realized as I looked around that most of the women I knew were tearing around like headless chickens um, with juggling, you know, everything, juggling the, not just their work, but also most of the family life, the great burden of the family life, you know, who's buying the Christmas presents, who's going where for lunch and, you know, just handling everything. And there was never enough time to make the impact that I knew in that, in our hearts that we were being called to make. Like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. Now this podcast is possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So that's how where one of many was started as a kind of, I wanted to build a space, a community of women who wanted to change the world for the better and were all far too busy to do that, to be able to equip them with the tools to handle that day-to-day juggle whilst they stepped up to the leadership that they felt called to. And that's where we started uh, a little over six years ago now. And we have grown rapidly in that period of time from just, um, you know, a a small community here in the UK to now a global community. I ran an event just uh, a couple of days ago. We had a thousand people on that event, um, an online event that we did. And uh, we had women from about 30 different countries. You know, we've got certified coaches now in 14 different countries. It's, uh, It's absolutely extraordinary how rapidly it's grown. And and I can't say that that's down to me. It's just, I think it was an idea whose time had come and the community that have been attracted to it, own it like it is their own. And they share so voraciously because it it makes such a difference for them, I think. So what set one of many apart from other leadership coaching approach? I know there's a lot of different um, coaching for women. So what one of many set apart so different do you know i don't i don't know i really don't know because 
I mean, as a marketer, I know you're here is exactly what sets us apart. I should be able to answer that question. But, but the magic that I've witnessed, and it is magic what I've seen inside of our growth, I can't put down to, you know, the investment that we made in our brand, the investment that we've made in our team. Like I can't put it down to any one thing that sets it apart differently. The tools that we have are absolutely, I believe, second to none in that they are designed by women for women and they draw on... Um, they draw on the history and experience of myself and my two content collaborators, Susie Heath and Annie Stoker, who between us when we started had over 70 years experience of working um, both with men and women and noticing that the old school tools, the old paradigm tools weren't serving weren't serving of women. They, they focused on goals and you just get your goal and you go, go for your goal. But there was nothing, there was nothing there about, the unique strengths of women about the cyclical nature of women. So, so we got together and put our heads together. And I think the tool belt is pretty exquisite. Having said that, I think it isn't the tool belt alone. I think there is something in the magic of the, the integrity and the, 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 um, the calling that women have into the community. This, there are so many women on the planet right now who want the world to be better and they want to make that difference, but they just feel powerless to do it because they're stuck in the juggle. And I think because we are speaking to that woman, we have this community of women who are making such an exquisite difference. Women who are turning their towns, you know, into single use plastic free towns, women who are starting, um, you know, um, uh, um, biodiversity projects in their village green, you know, women who are uh, doing, uh, turning the, their community allotment into a food forest for, for um, women who are um, uh, survivors of domestic abuse. You know, these are women who've got things they want to do in the world. And I think for that reason, they're so a proud to be a part of the community and to be a part of a, th this group of women, but also I think they feel held deeply, deeply held perhaps for the first time in their lives um, in a space that feels really safe where they open up and they can be vulnerable and truthful about the whole melee of what feeds into their life. You know, they're their purpose and the difference they want to make, sitting right alongside the worries they have for their children if they have them, sitting right alongside how shitty the dating game is at the, you know, that how hard it is to be single in lockdown, sitting right alongside, you know, how do I, how do I leave my um, my abusive partner? Sitting right alongside, oh my God, he just proposed. I'm so happy. You know, like the wholeness of the woman, she's not just this one job that she has or this one role as mother or this one piece that wholeness there's just this space for all of her in our community and I I don't know but if I had to have a guess I would say it is it is that which has meant that the community own the space do you know our our community craft it they 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 build it they set the tone it's their it's it's their space it really is a community space that belongs to all of us since you're part of the women's in business as an entrepreneurs, what do you think, because in Australia right now, so the federal government has dished out a total of around 12 million grant to funding the women-led business. So, oh, that they, so some 51 startups have received a grant between 
25,480. So what do you think about that that they boosting a startup for women's? I think it's absolutely fantastic because I think what we need is positive discrimination in um, in both the entrepreneurial space and I think in the general leadership space in order to get us where we need to go. Because when you look at all of the research, all of the research, we know that more women in leadership is good for business, whether that's in a major organization or women-led startups and, and, and women-founded companies. Um, they, they're, you know, all of the research points to the fact that they are safer investments um, uh, because I think we're, and I don't know why I've got some hypotheses on this, but we're very, um, we're very, we're a very safe pair of hands, I think, because we uh, perhaps are a little more nervous of business because we haven't been in business for the last like 6,000 years, do you know, like it's really only been in the last 30 to 50 years that women founded organizations have even really been a thing. Um, so I think there's this historical lack of confidence and that historical lack of confidence, I think makes us a very safe pair of hands, which is great. Um, so I think things like grant, uh, grants to support women led businesses is smart because those grants are going to be, uh, th those women will do whatever the hell they can to make that work, you know, I really, I, I really do believe that it's, there's a lot of research that shows in the developing world that if you invest in women in communities, that you will transform the wealth or slash transform the poverty level of that entire community, that it, it's women centered and women led strategies in the developing world. Because when a woman, a woman has enough for herself, she says it with her family or even before that, right? She shares it with her family. And when her family's taken care of, she says it with the whole community. She has a very community focus. Whereas that's not necessarily always the case, not exclusively, but not necessarily always the case with, um, with strategies that, um, that have, you know, uh, that have men at the center or, or, or indeed, you know, both, both sexes at the center. So I, I really do think if there's so much research that shows it works in the developing world, we know that in big business that, um, there's a 34% higher return to shareholders, 35% re higher return on equity when you have a significantly larger number of people on, on boards and in senior executive positions. It makes absolute sense that women-founded and women-led entrepreneurial businesses are going to do well. And for me, I would always invest in a women-led business before I would with a, a male-led business because I know how carefully that woman is going to take care of my money and how carefully she is going to, um, is going to work to not only build up for herself and her own well-being, but bring others along the ride with her. You know, I think it's a, um, it's a, real, it's a real distinction that I see. I think that's a great strategy. I, I didn't, wasn't aware of that and that's awesome. Thank you for that. So we're, we're talking about because you're focusing on you know, equipping women to be balanced and demand of balance of life and demand of life as well. Let's talk about the burnout. So, why do you think women are more susceptible to burnout than men? We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Com. I think there's a lot that goes into it, but one of the critical pieces, I think, is because as we, it is the 
cultural paradigm in which we live, if we come back to that, we started you know, talking about this individualism and, um, you know, we celebrate competition, achievement, focus, drive. And so at, in the workplace, which is a very masculine paradigm as well, women think that if they want to keep up and play the game, we have to become even more driven, even more focused, even more competitive. So we think that the only the only way to get ahead or to, or to play the game is to be even greater versions of what I call superwoman. You know, she that can handle everything, do it all, focus, drive, push through, make it happen late nights, juggling everything else, you know, doing, doing the whole thing. Now that's my hypothesis on this. And it's just a hypothesis. I've not done the research, but I'd be interested to, uh, to do it at some point. My hypothesis on this is that that mode of operating that very focused, aggressive pursuit of a goal, right? That competitive pursuit of a goal is, is hormonally moderated in our body, right? Any energetic state, we have a, a cacophony of hormones going on. And in the male body, that aggressive focused drive is driven by testosterone, right? Um, it's a, we, we know that if you inject testosterone into, into rats, they get aggressive, they get competitive and they get driven. And, uh, and so interestingly, women, we have a little testosterone in our bodies, but we have a fraction of the testosterone of, of men. And so my hypothesis is that, that in order to stay in that focused, push through competitive space or, or frame of mind to, to succeed in work or starting up a business or whatever it is, we then very quickly start relying on our adrenaline cortisol axis. So our stress hormones to stay in that hyper switched on state. Um, and so I think that this is why we see greater levels of burnout in women than men, because we literally burn out our adrenaline system. Uh, because that's the that we need that hormonal kick to keep pushing through at that level. As I say, it's a hypothesis. But interestingly, um, an old client of mine from back in my speaker training days, a naturopath out in Australia, um, she uh, I remember her saying to me, Joe, it's really interesting. I've been measuring hormone levels in women now for over ten years, and this was about ten years ago when she told me. I'd be interested to. Um, to uh, follow up with her and see what she's discovered. But she said, I have seen a steady rise in testosterone levels in women over that period of time on average. So it's interesting because our bodies are responding um, to the, you know, the demands that we're putting on to them. And even our female bodies are becoming more masculinized in response to the stresses of life, which is why I think we're starting to see, you know, more infertility and so many couples having trouble conceiving. So this is a, where our paradigm is actually impacting us at an evolutionary level and it isn't serving us as human beings. Let's go outside of the in individual about burnout. So how big is the problem in burnout for our society, say society, business and politics? I think it's huge. And I think it's underreported and I think it's understated. We have so many women who come into our community who would never say they were burned out until they've been in our community for three to six months. And then they go, oh, oh, that's why I can't stop crying. You know, that's why, that's why I don't feel like I've got any mojo for anything. That's why I'm shouting at my kids all of the time is actually because they're on their knees with exhaustion, with, with burnout. I think it's, I think it's underreported. I think people don't feel comfortable to say because it's some expression of weakness, 
but I really do feel it's be, it's a result of the paradigm in which we live. And then does that mean it is a foregone conclusion? Absolutely not. And it's one of the things that we talk about at one of many is you, you don't have to be more superwoman to be more effective. You know, we've got alternatives that we can do, but I think, um, I think, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the, what the research and stats show in, um, in Australia, but all of the research that we've looked at over here in, in the UK, especially in the caring professions, you know, the medical professions and so on, um, you know, nursing, teaching, it's remarkably high and only getting worse through the pandemic. In fact, in the Women in the Workforce report that was recently um, released by McKinsey uh, um, uh, in uh, the US, I believe it was McKinsey, sorry, it's late at night as we're doing this and it's just gone out of my head, but the Women in Work um, report that was just recently released for 2020 showed that one in four women are actually thinking of leaving the workforce completely because of the additional impact that the pandemic is having on us in terms of our um, in terms of our ability to do life do you know and that's remarkable that says to me that there it's too much for women and they're looking for alternatives now some of those women are going to turn to entrepreneurialism and start up some of them are going to check out altogether and go no I'll do I'll do parenting or I'll do this and you know, my partner can go do that, um, which is which is interesting. And I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great for business. I don't think it's great for women. I don't think it's great for our kids. But we've got to shift the paradigm if we want to be able to um, to sustain inside of it. So it's got to start with shifting our own personal paradigm so we can show up differently and know that burnout isn't the only option, that there is another way we can perform inside the paradigm. And then when enough women are in running the businesses and enough women are leading the teams and leading in politics, then perhaps we will shift the paradigm, which will be better, not just for women, but for men and for our kids as well, you know? And I think that's, that's what I'm hopeful for and I pray for and why I do what I do every day. So you keep saying about being a superwoman. So, mm. and all of us have been celebrate superheroes in cartoons in the film. So I got my Astro Boy, one of my favorite. Astro Boy uh, is my favorite. I love Astro my, Boy. Or the eighties. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Doctor Elephant. Yeah, I remember. I love Astro Boy. So, <laughs> can you explain? Because I see you have a different view about super women. I so. do. I really do. There was actually a book in the 80s written called How to Be a Superwoman. And that book is responsible for my co- content collaborator, Susie Heath's uh, two of her burnouts. <laughs> um, I think as women, we expect ourselves. There was a great thing that happened with the second wave of feminism in that we were able to take our seat at the table in terms of business, right? We were able to um, impacting career. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it's equal, but it's absolutely not equal yet. There is absolutely still unconscious bias and it's impact, it, it impacts us every day. I was largely ignorant of it as a woman. I'm like, what are you talking about? I get treated the same, but I really didn't, you know, as I look back now. Um, so I think we haven't achieved equality, but what it allowed for us was you know, come into the workforce. But what didn't happen 
was a shift that said, okay, and now let's make sure there's part real partnership at home on the domestic duties. Let's make sure there's real, like, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid, but where, where is that village in our very nuclear families that are isolated from each other by geography from, you know, the grandparents and the sisters and the aunts and whatever. We, we don't live that way anymore. Um, And then the media tells us we have to be hot. We have to be beautiful. We have to spend how long, you know, getting our legs waxed every month and getting our hair done and doing our makeup every day and wearing heels to work and you know all of the all of the additionals that we have to do to just kind of show up and do my job and and be taken seriously um, that really isn't there for blokes in the same way it's just not there and so the archetype that we have taken on to be able to deliver on these insanely high expectations of what it is to be a woman in this day and age um, the archetype we take on is superwoman and superwoman is able to do all of that, right? She does it. She gets it done. She she can she can get the work done. She can stay late. She can juggle the childcare for the kids if she has them. She can, you know, she can get date night booked and get out and make sure that she's doing that and go home and be, you know, a harlot in the bedroom and all everything. She gets it all done. And the person who loses out is her because she's going so fast. She's not connected to her purpose. She's going so fast. Her body burns out. She's going so fast. She doesn't even know whether she's coming or going. And it's addictive. The high of it is addictive, but ultimately it, it doesn't serve the individual woman. Right. I mean, I went through this phase myself. I know it really, really well. And many of us, myself included, we don't stop at being superwoman. Some of us become superman. And speaking from personal experience, if you really want to piss off a man, be a better man. (laughs) And, you know, like it killed my relationships. I was so masculine in my relationships. It killed my health. So for me, opening up to um, femininity, you know, and and God, you know, it felt like a dirty word for me back, back when I started exploring it. What I now call soft power because it has, doesn't come with all the connotations that I had to work through. But opening up to that, recognizing that I did not have to do it, A, all by myself, and that partnership was necessary, collaboration was necessary, not just with my husband, but with my team and with other, other people to, to achieve anything, and that there had to be space for me in the center of all of it, Um, a real nurturing, nourishing, caring, and dare I say, pleasurable space for me in the center of all of it, I couldn't do any of it. And so shifting out of superwoman and now into what I refer to as the five women's power types um, has allowed me to grow three successful businesses, two of which, you know, we've, we've led into seven figure revenues and, um, and, you know, in one case, high, high six figure profits and the other where, um, you know, we're, we're uh, growing something much larger. So I'm reinvesting. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's through using the power types, you know, it's through, it's through accessing those power types, accessing soft power and knowing that superwoman actually is great for 15 minutes to get something done and finished, but she's terrible if it's 15 minutes, a bit more than 15, you know, 15 months. Some of us have been doing it for 15 years and that's what's causing the burnout, you know? 
Okay. So tell us about the helpful power types so that I understand mm. are yeah, this is so, your um, center part of your approach. Yeah, part of part of our approach is um is exploring exploring women's power in a new way. So our philosophy is that we need a new kind of power to be the women that the world needs us to be. You know, we we need a new kind of power to be the women we want to be, quite frankly, because that superwoman power, which has got us this far and credit and gratitude to our, you know, foremothers, foresisters and aunts that, that fought for us to have what we have. I know we stand on those shoulders, but that continual execution of that power is not going to serve humanity in the, in the next iteration. Do you know? So for myself, I'm like, well, what, if, if it's not that, what is it? This podcast is brought to you by Ospad Syndicate, powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Kangaroo Fern is Australia's independent video and podcast management agency with a mission to help individuals and entrepreneurs to start their own podcast. And I looked around me and I didn't have any role models of what I would call strong feminine power. I, I didn't have them. Do you know, my mom's a real tomboy. My two grandmothers were very masculine matriarchs. Um, I just didn't have, I didn't have a frame of reference for what it even looked like. And so it was then that I started looking into archetypes and I discovered, um, uh, I discovered initially Jung's four, four archetypes of the mature feminine. And as I was reading about them, I'm like, ah, that's it, do you know? But there wasn't enough, and that's where we added a fifth one in. So we talk about the five women's power types, and they are the mother power type. She is the one that our culture does allow us. She is strong and feminine, and we're familiar with the mother kind of energy. We know that. But we don't we, – but the problem with that is – a lot of women overdo that archetype, therefore. You know, they take her into the boardroom, they take her into business meetings, they hold on to team members longer than they should because they're nourishing and nurturing all of the time. And, and she's not the only one. So there is also the lover power type. Now, the lover power type is that power type, which is, yes, our connection to our sensuality and our sexuality. But I think most importantly for women, um, especially as they start the journey, is recognizing that she's the one who nurtures and nourishes our body, our vessel, this one kind of vessel that we have to do our work in the world. She is the center of our self-care you know, looking after ourselves. So being able to access that lover power type that nourishes you, that brings pleasure into your life, that that sees rest and replenishment and pleasure as the cause of great work, not as only the reward of great work is critical. We also have the queen power type. Now the queen is the one who holds the vision for the realm. She loves her structure and systems and she is clear on her boundaries. She doesn't do analysis paralysis. You know, she decides and she gets her team and her, and when I say team, that might be the family. It might be the work team. It might be, you know, a group of friends, but the, she, she orchestrates collaboration to get things done. You know, that's that queen energy, which is really powerful. We also have the warrioress power type, and she is that defender against injustice. You know, I always think of Natiri in Avatar or um, Boudicca um, over here in the UK. We talk about a lot, you know, that, that energy that fights for what she believes in, that youthful, playful kind of energy that gets shit done. She's amazing, much better than Superwoman for getting things done because she shakes it off at the end of the day and has a good party and, you know, and, uh, and knows how to unwind. 
and then also the sorceress power type. And sorceress, we chose that name very, very carefully because it's she that's connected to source energy. And we all have a different name for that. Some of us call it God. Some of us call it Allah. Some of us call it, you know, Buddha consciousness or whatever it is. And we have many different names, our higher self, just our intuition, right? That's something bigger. And sorceress is the part that connects to that. So in our community, we have these five women's power types at the center of a lot of our tools. We have a power types profile that people can do to work out which is their strongest and and therefore what kind of leader they're best at and what kind of challenges they might be experiencing in their daily lives because of their profile. But it also shows up in many of our other planning tools. It shows up in our time management tools. They show up in many, many different places because they are so central uh, to the work. And if we can access these five, then we don't have to do superwoman. We can actually bring gravitas. We can bring playfulness. We can bring joy. We can bring a little bit of the numinous, a little bit of the divine into our work and actually get a hell of a lot more done with a lot less effort than superwoman who has to do it all by herself better than everybody and be, you know, the bright, brightest and the shiniest. It's a much more sustainable way of working. So are there leaders now that you think a great example like of soap power? Oh, yes, 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 yes. You've just got to look across the pond in Australia. Look at Jacinda Ardern, right? What an extraordinary example of all five of the power types in action. She is someone who epitomizes what I call this radical, strong, compassionate leadership. I think she does a great job of it. And she's not the only one. I think through the pandemic, we've seen, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the heads of government in the Nordic states, um, uh, you know, in, um, in uh, Taiwan as well, women who are really doing an amazing job of, um, of uh, embodying these um, power types, these soft power types. We see the mother energy in the way that Jacinda responded to the, um, the, the huge shooting that was in the mosque that time. We saw, I saw mother power type in the way that she told the kids that the Easter bunny, you know, the Easter bunny was, um, was part of the uh, essential services at Easter time during the pandemic. And she did a special press conference. We see her warrioress energy when she's had to show up and really make a stand for what she believes in. Her queen energy when she holds the vision and she speaks about her vision for the organization and she brought in her um, well-being budget Budget. You know, she's just such a wonderful example of all of these. And then, I mean, I follow her on Instagram and I see her lover power type as well. You know, little things like her mom, her mom made her uh, peanut butter on toast at, at some point, you know, just really keeping it real, nourishing herself, looking after herself. Um, and, you know, God, she gave birth, she gave birth to a baby while she was you know, prime minister, what an extraordinary human being she is. And I think she just really epitomizes this. It takes a village and she, she credits her village every step of the way, every post, every, everything that she does, she's reflecting that light of how awesome she is on her team. She's a fabulous example of it. So do you have any final advice or anything else you want to share to our women's entrepreneurs or startup or business owners as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, there's so much I would say, but if you're starting up a business, I remember startup phase, right? I remember it vividly. I remember working till two and three in the morning to get workbooks done for a, a delivery. You know, I was, I was, you know, a workshop I was delivering the next day. I remember the hustle of trying to find those first clients and, and getting things going. It is really hard. It is, there is no doubt it is hard. And the beginning phase of a business takes a lot of warrioress energy. But that is what I would say about it. I would say recognize you're going to need your warrioress to get this off the ground. You're going to need your queen energy to hold the vision, to keep speaking the vision, because that's what people want. They want to know the vision. They don't care about the service. They don't care about the product. They care about the vision, the purpose, right? You're going to need that queen energy. But if you can, if I could, if there's something I could really leave, it is recognizing that your rest, your, your looking after your own needs, your basic needs, getting lunch, having dinner, sleep, drinking enough water, pleasure, like doing pleasurable things in your everyday life. It is that which fills the well, which will drive your personal achievement. Lunch is not the reward for a morning's hard work. Lunch is a prerequisite for hum humanness, do you know? Um, a great night out with your friends is not the reward for how far you've got with your work. It is the cause of the creativity and the innovation that you will bring back in to the work that you're doing, to the business that you're starting. So make time make time for that. I've seen a, an ad, a Facebook ad that's showing up in my feed at the moment. I just want to poke pins in the eyes of the person who puts it out there saying, you know, this is the face I pull when I've done, you know, three hours work and I'm finished for the day while most people are still taking care of their self-care. I don't even know whose ad it is, but it annoys me because it's a bloke, right? And, and men do, men can execute differently than women. They can, we can, they can, and women can do, we can do the, whatever the hell we like. We're amazing. Right. But I think what we overlook as women, we see something like that. And then we think, Oh, I'm not working hard enough. I shouldn't be doing self-care. Self-care is not necessary. And that annoys me because actually self-care is central. If you don't look out after yourself, you're going to be a shitty mom to your kids. You're going to be a shitty friend, a shitty lover. You're going to be a, a shitty human being that can't hear her own purpose. We must put ourselves at the center. And that means basics, taking care of our needs and letting that drive the expression of the vision we want to bring into the world. Without it, we're empty and empty women don't build great businesses. Uh, any parting word for our audience or listener? Oh, just go out and build those businesses because the world needs us to be uh, bringing our contribution to the world. No doubt about that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Joe. Um, so to all our listener audience and watching right now as well, so you can, all the links of Joe will be going on the show notes. So please have a look. So you can... If someone wants to have a chat with you, how they can contact you? Um, I'm most active on Instagram and I've got a Facebook page. So if people want to kind of look me up, um, you'll find me there. Um, our website for one of many is one of many.co.uk. So um, you can find out about all of our coaching and training there. Um, and if you want me specifically, I've got my website, joannamartin.com. So uh, plenty of ways, a, a quick Google search, you'll find me and uh, get, get in contact however you like. Thank you for your time for another episode of Tribe Podcast under Osport Syndicate. 
Thank you to our sponsor, Kangaroo Firm Media Lab, a podcast management service. You can check them at www.kangaroofirm.com. And also, if you want to join our community, so follow us on the Facebook at Rebounds Australia. Thank you. Or check our website at www.ospodsyndicate.com.au. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit our website at www.ospodsyndicate.com.au where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. You can also join the conversation with Ospod Syndicate on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please consider on making a donation to help us keep making the podcast you love. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com.